is no growth in comfort and no comfort in growth. Business today typically values and promotes leaders for their subject expertise. Leaders who have command of the details and execute based on knowledge and experience are highly respected. However, to grow as a leader, you have to get out of your comfort zone. That means learning to lead without just being the expert. Learn to gain the trust and respect of a team that might know more than you do. Get comfortable with ambiguity and with not having all the information. Develop the skills and confidence to lead in a different way. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. I'm Wanda Wallace, and today we're going to be talking about careers. Now, one of the things that everybody I talk with dreads getting asked from their manager is where do you want to go in your career or what do you want to do in your career? Or if you're a younger person starting out at university or leaving university for that matter, you probably dread your parents and their friends asking you, so what do you want to be? Well, it turns out that planning a career is a very interesting process, and that's what we're going to talk about today, because my specialist today is John Crumboltz, and John has spent decades as a, he's a specialist in counseling psychology, but he helps counselors learn how to help their clients take actions that create more satisfying lives, and he has explored through his research the roots of academic career and personal problems, especially the emotional outcomes of learning experience. And he's a leader in the theory of career counseling. He's received a number of academic awards. So he's a professor of education and psychology at Stanford University, a fellow at the American Psychological Association, and also at the American Association for the Advancement of a Science. For those of you who don't know what those means, it means he's done a lot of really good research that's been highly valued by his peers. So the book we're going to talk about today is called Luck is No Accident. John, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Wanda. Good to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here. Now, I love this title. Everybody who's heard this title is excited about it. Luck is no accident. But what do you mean when you say that luck is no accident? It means exactly what it says. Uh, you know, there's sort of a belief that some people are lucky in life and other people are unlucky. But actually, uh, un, uh, luck is just an uh, unexpected event that uh, you like. But there are also okay. unexpected events that you don't like. But, <laughs> but we could, we could, the, bad, the title of the book could have been Bad Luck, <laughs> that uh, you might expect. Uh, which would also be an accurate title, but 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 both good luck and bad luck uh, are uh, unplanned or unexpected. I like that. So luck is something that's unexpected, an unexpected event that you happen to like, as opposed to bad luck is just the same thing. I just don't like it. You know, it's yeah. interesting if. We go back to um, Center for Creative Leadership's research back in the 1980s, looking at what made for successful executives, and they interviewed a ton of executives asking, what got you to this point in your career? And yeah. the inevitable answer that people started with was a lot of luck. Well, that's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Many of them would say they were in the right place at the right time. Well, that's luck, though. Okay. All right. So are you now advocating that careers are just all about luck? No, I'm not advocating that because I, what I'm advocating is you have to create luck. See, I mean, it, if you say, well, I'm just going to uh, sit on my behind here and uh, wait for something lucky to happen, uh, nothing lucky is going to happen. Okay. See? So, so... You have to be active doing things all your life. Okay. Uh, and, and, and you could say, well, doing what? Well, doing something. You can't just be sitting uh, in your armchair waiting for some miracle to happen. That's not ever the way it really happens. See, now, let me just tell you a, a quick story here. Okay. Uh, when I when I was twelve years old, my my mother and father used to ask me this question. Well, John, what do you what do you uh, want to be when you grow up? And I would say, Well, I don't have the slightest idea. Uh, we'll say then, then then a week or two later, they'd ask me again, John, what do you want to be when you grow up? 
I don't have the slightest idea. And, and but see, they were so intent on getting me to give an answer that finally, when I was twelve years old, and they uh, they asked me one more time, and, and and this time I had an answer ready for them because uh, <laughs> well because I just felt I, I had to give them some kind of an answer, so uh, I said something like. Uh, well, I'm I'm uh, I'm going to uh, uh, play. Uh, oh, I oh, wait, put, I put it in uh, two two parts. I said uh, in, in the uh, uh, in the fall and winter, I am going to uh, uh, oh, let, me, let me let me let me get this straight. <laughs> in the spring and summer, this is I'll yes. start here. In the spring and summer. I am going to play first base for the Chicago Cubs. And in the uh, fall and winter, I'm going to play first-year clarinet in the New York Philharmonic Orchestra. <laughs> okay. Now, what would you expect that my parents would say to that answer? Well, I hope they were encouraging parents and say, fantastic, John, that's great, but we now need to get you some clarinet lessons and some baseball lessons. Well, <laughs> that, that would have been a good thing for them to say, but that's not what they said. They, they said, uh, see, the, the reason I even said that was because uh, I was playing baseball. I was, I was 12 years old, and I was playing first base for this little, uh, this little league in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, uh, with other 12-year-old boys, and uh, I, I like playing first base, and I also like listening on the radio. This was before television. Listening on the radio to uh, broadcasts of, uh, of baseball games, including the Chicago Cubs, because Cedar Rapids, Iowa, is close to Chicago, sort of. Right, right. And, and, and so... Um, uh, <laughs> But, but see, they didn't ask me any of these things. They, they knew this was happening, but they didn't ask me. But the, but the good news to me was that they never again asked me what I was going to be <laughs> when I grew up. So does that mean we should all stop asking kids what it is they want to be when they grow up? Well, no. Well, I wouldn't. Well, that would be a good thing to stop asking. But, but I think we ought to also be talking about what things they should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let me ask you a philosophical question. I'm going to give you two extreme views of careers. The one I hear in the corporate world people believe most often is that as a very ambitious, um, high potential individual, I should know what I want in my career, I should be clear about what it is I want, where I'm going, and I should dream big. And the dreaming big is what's going to get me to do great and wonderful, glorious things. That's one position. Another position is the completely opposite. That says that opportunities will come to you. You have no idea where you're going to go or what you're going to do. And you should just enjoy the journey as it comes along. Now, what's your view of those two extremes? <laughs> well, I like getting a job. It should be a process, too. And uh, so, uh, so I'm not. I'm not against. So the notion here is that if we take John's argument, he'll be back with us in just a minute. The notion is that um, you do want to have a dream. You don't want to not have a dream because that helps you articulate what you want. That helps people think about you. That helps you imagine where you want to go. But you don't want to get wedded to those opportunities. And I want to tell you a couple of stories that I have heard along the way. One of the things that I do routinely in talking to senior executives is ask them about events that made them, put them in a position to be where they are today. I often talk about them as turning points in their careers. Of the hundreds and hundreds of senior executives I have asked this question, only one time and I've asked it many hundred times. Only once has somebody said to me, well, I knew, Wanda, that I wanted to be in risk because risk was not really important when I started my career, but I just really liked it, and that's where I wanted to be, and that's where I've stayed, and I've given up other opportunities just to be in risk. 
that person happened to have been a chief risk officer. But in my experience, that's an extremely rare case that people know what they want. Much more often, I find that people find stuff that they like, and then an opportunity comes, and they take the opportunity to say, well, you know, why not? It's interesting. I'm kind of bored. It looks like it's a good place. It looks like it's got some good things about it. Or let me talk to people about how I would do this. And they take the opportunities. And it's the mixed bag of opportunities that actually them put them in a position to be an effect, effective senior leader. So at any rate, John, this notion yeah. about dreaming. You say in your book, I want to quote you on this, when you say 2% of people claim to be working now in the occupation they had planned when they were 18 years old. 2%. It's incredible. Well, so so, so why, why should you expect a young person to be able to decide what they're going to be when, when it's not even true for people that are 25 <laughs> years old? Okay. All right. All right. So one of the other things you say that strikes me in this book, you say passions are created by taking action. Yeah. We often have the view that passions are created. I should know what my passion is first. No, 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 no. How could you know what your passion is until you try doing it? <laughs> so I try a bunch of things. Is that the plan? And then I discover what it is I really like. Well, you well, I wouldn't see. I wouldn't think it's a. You should be trying to do a lot of things. You, and I say, well, what kind of things? Well, you see, I think you should be trying to help other people. Hmm. Now, uh, you know, you mentioned that I'm a professor now at Stanford University. Well, sometimes people ask me, uh, well, how did you decide to become a professor at Stanford University? My answer is. Never. I never decided to be a professor at Stanford University. Well, then, then how did you get the job? Well, you <laughs> do you want to really hear the story? Do you want to hear it? Uh, well, I've read, I've read your story in this book, and if I get the general gist of it, it is you happen to visit, and you happen to visit Stanford and visit with some friends, that were there, and suddenly there was an opening, and you decided maybe this wasn't such a bad idea. Is that the general gist? No, 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 that's not it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tell us the story then. Well, okay. Well, you see, uh, you see, if I were to tell you the whole story, it would take so much time. But like, you see, like my first job was selling. The Saturday Evening Post. Do you remember what the Saturday Evening Post was? Indeed, yeah. Yeah, a magazine. Selling the Saturday Evening Post door-to-door in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And how did I get that job? I was walking home from my, my school, Buchanan Elementary School. I was 10 years old, and there a guy in a car pulled up alongside me while I was walking, and and and, and said, uh, how would you like a job? And I said, uh, well, uh, what kind of a job are you talking about? And he said, well, uh, I need to explain it to you, but but if you're interested in talking about it, I think I'd like to have your mother and father uh, talk with us. And I said, well, okay, uh, <laughs> let's do it. See, so I gave him my uh, address, and and he came, rang the doorbell, and my mother and father were both there, and. And he came in and he said, uh, "This job is uh, uh, selling the Saturday Evening Post door to door in the neighborhood, and uh, we think John would be someone who might want to do that, and and we just need to have your approval of it." See? So my mother and father both approved of my having this job. So I went out and I went to the first door. Uh, would you like to buy the Saturday Evening Post? No kid, beat it. I go to the next door. Uh, would you like to buy the Saturday Evening Post? Hey, why, why are you coming to my door? Get out of here. You know, you know, door to door to door. Everybody was rejecting me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Finally, finally, I came to <laughs> about, the, I don't know, the eighth or ninth or tenth door, and, and some uh, nice lady was there. And, and I said, would you like to buy the Saturday Evening Post? And she says, well, how much does it cost? I said, uh, Oh, one nickel. 
and uh, that's what it cost. And uh, and my profit, if I sold one of these magazines, was to get one penny. <laughs> okay. Okay. And, and so uh, so I kept going. Uh, and, so, and I went, so the next week, I, I got another bunch of Saturday Evening Post issues and went to that same lady again, and she bought it for the second time. And then I kept going door to door, and then I got a second person. And eventually, I got eight people that I could go to every week who would buy the Saturday Evening Post from me. And so I was making my income at age 10 was eight cents per week. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, now so how does that get you to Stanford as a professor? Oh, well, okay. Now, what I'm saying is, that, so it was sort of an unplanned event that this guy yeah. uh, pulled up in a car. Okay. Now, now I'm gonna. I have to skip uh, years and years and years and years from from about okay. age ten, but where I had all kinds of jobs, and I'm glad to tell you about what they are if you ask me. Okay. But uh, right now you're asking me, how did I get to Stanford University? So I was working at Michigan State University. I got a job at Michigan State University teaching there. And I got a letter in the mail from Stanford University that said, uh, uh, we are, uh, it, said, it said, you are one of three people who will be coming to Stanford University to interview for a faculty position, uh, which date will be best for you. <laughs> okay. Okay, and so I talked this over with my wife, and she had gone to uh, school in Southern California, and she liked that neighborhood, and she knew Stanford was in California. And uh, so uh, I decided, just because my wife uh, liked uh, that part of the woods that I said, let's go out and talk to him because I okay. was one of three that was being interviewed for this job. Uh-huh. So I, I got an airline out there and flew out and uh, talked to a committee of uh, three, uh, three faculty members from uh, yeah. education and three faculty members uh, from, uh, from psych, uh, right? Oh, the, the psychology department. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And and uh, and so then I I left and came back home again, and then I got a uh, telephone call that said uh, that uh, you have been chosen to become a professor of education and psychology at Stanford University. Great. Uh, Great. They told me a salary which seemed pretty good. And then he yeah. said, would you, would you accept this job? And, and I talked it over with my wife, and she said, was really delighted to have it. And I thought, well, why not? Uh, so, so that's what so I that's decided what to do. So it's back to your main point, John, at the beginning, that luck is just unexpected events that happen that you like. And in this case, it's an unexpected invitation, in fact, an unsolicited invitation that you decided to pursue. Okay, we're going to take a break now. And when we come back, I want to talk about some of the common myths about planning your career and what the reality is on the other side of those. So with me today is John Crumboltz. The book that we're talking about is Luck is No Accident. And we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. 
From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back to the show. With me today is John Crumboltz, and the book that we've been talking about is Luck is No Accident, um, a delightful read, I have to say. John is a professor of education and psychology at Stanford University, a fellow of the American Psychological Association and of the American Association for the Advancement of Science. He's won a number of awards, and he is a leader in understanding career counseling and in helping counselors take um, make their clients have more satisfying lives or help them take actions to have more satisfying lives. All right, the general notion here is that, yes, it's great to have a goal, and yes, it's great to have an ambition and a dream, but that luck is just an unexpected event that you like. And in careers, it's a matter of having unexpected events that you take advantage of, that you test out. And the notion is you're not supposed to know what you love until you've tried it, that passions come from creating a lot of actions. So now one of the interesting things I want to, I find in John's work is there's a series of myths, and I'm going to give you the common myth that most of us think, and then we're going to go to what John says is a counter myth. The first one we've been talking about, which is don't let unexpected events disrupt your plans. And John says in counter that, no, Make the most of unplanned events, as we just heard about his story from Stanford. Now, the second one, John, you say the myth is that you should choose a career goal as soon as possible. And you say the opposite. Always keep your options open. Why? Well, because new options keep coming up all the time. And and if you've uh, sort of declared when you were very young that you wanted to do some particular thing, and it, it didn't happen, then what are you going to do? Uh, <laughs> lie down dead and, and never talk to anybody again? No, you've got to be doing something all your life. Right. I, I've been told you all the jobs I've had. I was, I've been an algebra right. teacher. I've been, been a school <laughs> counselor. Uh, uh, I've, I've uh, been a... Uh, it's all right. It's a very interesting, I mean, and I get the sense that you do a lot of experiments. Dozens and dozens of jobs, mm-hmm. and, and, and each job was something I was doing to help other people. For a while, okay. I was a radio announcer. Okay. And, and I, uh, for station WMT in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, how did I get that job? Well, someone at the church I was attending, I liked the sound of my voice, and she thought, and they needed a, uh, and she worked at WMT, and she thought they needed, and they needed a new uh, announcer. And they thought, well, maybe I, all I had to do was just to read from a script, see, <laughs> and, okay. and that I, I know how to read at that time. And so I got a job as a radio announcer. It lasted okay. for about one one month. Okay. And they, said they, didn't, they didn't need me anymore. All right. So I get the sense that you keep your options open. And I certainly know when I talk to senior executives and ask them to describe their careers, they will routinely say that something that they had not thought would work is an opportunity that came up and they grabbed it. So let's go to the third myth. You say, do all you can, as the myth is now, do all you can to make your dream come true. And you say instead you should wake up before your dream does come true. What do you mean by wake up? (laughs) Wake up because you have to try a whole bunch of other things first. See, that's that's what, it's not, not, not dreaming. I don't believe in dreaming to make a decision. That's no way. That's not a stupid, that's a stupid way to make a decision. You have to try different things. Well, that means you often have to try a bunch of things that you really don't want to do. Okay. Okay. All right. So you don't know if you want it. Or or you have to try things that people will fire you for doing. See, I had a job as a uh, a, uh, chauffeur driving Mm -hmm. a Buick automobile. 
around Cedar Rapids, Iowa, with a uh, a man who was a who was fired from his job because he got drunk all the time. Yeah, and so so I was tried uh, lots of things. I get that sense. So let me do a follow up question on this one. One of the pieces of advice you give in here is you say don't stick with a bad choice. But now we have this belief that persistence is what pays off and persistence defines character. So sometimes that's true. So how do you know when it is, when you should persist and see you through and when you should say, no, bad choice, let's move on? How do you define the difference between those two? If you're doing something that you hate to do, say, no, I don't want to do this anymore, I quit. Okay. Perfectly good thing to say. If you're doing something that you enjoy doing, uh, but the boss says, uh, we don't need you anymore, uh, goodbye, then you also have to quit. Okay. And, and I've, had, I've had these kinds of things happen over and over again. Okay? Sure. Well, so, so finally, uh, I got to, started doing something that I enjoyed doing. Yeah, but I hadn't I hadn't really planned that I would enjoy doing it, but I enjoyed uh, uh, majoring in psychology at Coe College in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Okay, and that's okay. what leads you to where you are today. All right, I I get no, the point no, about no, this. No, 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 no. Listen to me. That's just okay. one tiny detail in the mo- in the story. I know that we have a short time to talk here, but just to give you a short, briefly, brief idea of it was, uh, how did I decide what to major in when I was at Coe College in Cedar Rapids, Iowa? Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't know what to major in, but by but, but that time I'd learned how to play tennis, and the, the tennis coach, and I got on a tennis team at, in college, and the tennis coach used to have us travel together in his car uh, to another school uh, and, and play against another college and play against them. And then he would drive us, or he would take us out to dinner and, and buy us a nice steak dinner and, and drive us home. And, and I got to know the coach pretty well. But then this big decision came. What are you going to major in at Coe College? Okay. I didn't have the slightest idea. So I decided I needed some advice. Who could I talk to? The only person I could talk to was the coach of the tennis team. So I went to the coach and I said, Coach, listen, I, uh, uh, it was about one o'clock in the afternoon. I said, Coach, listen, uh, by five o'clock this afternoon, I have to declare what my major is going to be. The, uh, re- the registrar's office is on my tail. And if I don't declare it, they're going to kick me out of Co College. What do you think I should major in? Well, it just happened to be that the tennis coach was also a professor of psychology at Coe College. Mm. So he said, psychology, of course. And I said, okay. okay. And I, so I got up, I walked over to the registrar's office, got the form, filled it out. What are you going to measure it? I wrote down psychology. And that's how I got to be into the field of psychology. Okay. All right. So again, an unexpected event, asking for advice, people telling you things, you try a bunch of things, you know what you don't like, and you start to learn what it is that you do like, and then pursue it when you get there. Now, let's talk about a different one, this whole notion about mistakes. The notion that you should, you know, the general myth is that you should avoid making mistakes, but you have a very strong view in your book that you should go ahead and make mistakes. In fact, you have a couple of quotes in there that I'm particularly fond of. Okay. Um, one of them was a Japanese proverb that says, fall seven times, stand up eight. I thought that was great. And you I tell like this wonder- wonderful story of, you know, we always hear, don't be afraid to fail. And so, you know, you talk about a college basketball coach who used to inspire his players by saying, You've already failed many times, although you don't remember it. You fell the first time you tried to walk. You almost drowned the first time you tried to swim, and so on. And he talks about R.H. Macy failed seven times before his store in New York caught on. We know Babe Ruth hit 714 home runs, and we forget that he struck out 1,333 times. So you say, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the message is not so much worry about the failure, but worry about the chances you miss when you don't try. 
Well, you, you, all, you have to keep trying to do your best all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, <laughs> I really do believe that. You have to try to do your best, <clears throat> but you can't expect to succeed. You see, and, and, uh, see, and actually playing tennis is actually a wonderful lesson in that. I mean, how many makes mistakes have I made playing tennis? Uh, thousands and thousands, no, millions. I don't know how many millions of mistakes I have made playing tennis. If, if you know how to play tennis, you have to hit the ball over the net. Yeah, right. And then the ball has to land inside the lines on the other side of the net. Right. What else do you need to know? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. That's all you need to know. But then, so you start playing tennis, and then you discover that uh, sometimes, uh, I discovered, I myself, sometimes made a mistake and hit the ball into the net. And sometimes yeah. the ball would come back. I would sometimes hit it outside the lines on the other side. So I would lose a point. I mean, the, my component, my opponent would get a point for for winning the point because I made a mistake. But then sometimes my opponent would make mistakes too. Mm-hmm. So I would get points when my opponent made mistakes. So I have, and I had been playing tennis. <laughs> I finally quit playing tennis uh, uh, after playing it for about 60 years. And, and, and But I have made millions of mistakes playing yeah. tennis. But I enjoyed playing tennis. It's a fun game to play. So I'm saying you don't let your mistakes get you down. Okay. You learn from them. You learn, well, I, I don't know why I hit the ball into the net. I'll have to try hitting the ball in a different way. Or maybe, maybe we need a new ball. Maybe I need to buy a new tennis racket. <laughs> I mean, there's all kinds of things you could do to improve your performance. And you ought to experiment with trying to do a better job. And, uh, but, but if you're afraid of ever making a mistake, then you won't even try. Okay. All right. I get that. I love the advice that you give here. Let me read the points that you say. Number one, you say, recognize that failure and mistakes are common, normal, and instructive. And I think that's helpful for people to understand about careers, is that if you're not making some mistakes, you're actually not learning very much. Everybody makes mistakes, okay? All right, second thing you say is make use of your mistakes. And you say make use of other people's mistakes, too. Watch what they do, how they do it. Don't repeat that mistake. And then you say... Recognize that chance plays a part in every decision. So we want to say in our heads, we want to understand mistakes are going to happen. This is part of the game. And we want to react constructively to those mistakes. And then on occasion, some of them, you just have to get on with life. Great advice for people dealing with mistakes. So with me today is John Crumboltz. As I've said, John is a professor of education and psychology at Stanford University. He's a fellow in the American Psychological Association and the American Association for Advancement of Science. And John has spent his career understanding um, counseling psychology as well as helping people understand how to do career counseling. What I find fascinating about John's argument is that luck is just a series of unexpected events. Some you like, some you don't like. The ones we like, we call good luck. And that in order to plan, you know, it's nice to have a plan for your career, but you don't want to get wedded to that plan. What you want to do is try a bunch of things. Okay. All right. Yeah. You don't need a plan. See, this is the idea that you have to have a plan is the mistake. Okay. All right. Well, we'll come back and talk about that one. What I'm trying to do at the moment is just let's take a break and then we will come back and talk about how you work with your plan. So we'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. 
If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Kless. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. All right, welcome back to the show. With me today is John Crumboltz, and the book that we've been talking about is Luck is No Accident. Now, what I want to talk in this particular segment is this whole notion about plans. And I said just as we were taking a break at the end that, yes, it's okay to have a plan, but you don't want to get wedded to that plan. And, John, you had took exception to that as, you know, there's a different purpose for plans. So tell us about this whole thing about how do we plan for careers? Or do You we? don't plan for a career. That's the okay. message. Do not plan what your career is going to be. You have to take advantage of all opportunities that come along as you go through uh, your education, as you take one job, what you like about it, who you meet, uh, who you want to meet next. Uh, it's, it's, a, uh, it, it's one unexpected event after another, and you cannot predict what those events are going to be. But each event gives you a chance to say, oh, I'd like to do a little bit more of this, or maybe I, I don't want to do this anymore. And, and I've had uh, dozens and dozens of jobs that I didn't like and some that I did like, and I've tried that. And, and finally, <laughs> through a whole bunch of unplanned events, uh, <laughs> which I could tell you about if we had time for me to talk about them, uh, I... Uh, got involved in, uh, 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 well, well, one thing was I got to be a school counselor. Right. And Okay. Uh, okay, well, uh, I didn't really think I did a very good job of being a school counselor, and so I, I uh, went to a conference and found, a, found that the University of Minnesota had a really good program uh, of teaching counseling, and so I applied for it. And I got accepted uh, into a doctoral program in uh, uh, in counseling uh, at the University of Minnesota. And so okay. I became, uh, I learned about counseling from that from that detailed training at the University of Minnesota. Okay. So, again, we have a series of unplanned events that you take advantage of. Now, one of the things that you argue in your book is it's not that we're just, we're going to say, okay, I don't like my job, I'm quitting, and therefore I'm going to go, I don't know where I'm going to go or what I'm going to do. You talk about creating opportunities or creating your own luck. Tell us how that works a bit. Well, (laughs) your whole life is creating your own luck. Uh, and, and your own luck is to continue learning. See, I think that everybody in the world should be a learner. That, 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 that's my, uh, my label for myself. I am a learner. Everything I have ever done, I have learned something. Now, I've learned what things I like. I've learned what some things I don't like. Uh, I've talked to, uh, uh, thousands of people along the way, uh, 
<laughs> and and, and uh, everybody you talk to uh, has something they're doing that's different than what I'm doing. And I find out what they're doing, and I say, well, that sounds like it's going to be fun. And they say, well, would you like to try it out? And I say, yeah, I'll, I'll try that out. I try it out for a few weeks. Well, it's not so much fun. And, and, and it's, it's, see, I don't even know what's fun until I do it. Mm, and okay. so my advice to, to people is keep trying to do different things. See what you enjoy. Do more of what you do enjoy. Whatever you do, do, do it well so that people okay. are glad to have you around. Do the very mm-hmm. best job you can at whatever you're asked to do. Mm-hmm. And, and I've been telling you, some of the jobs I've had have been really uh, terrible uh, in a sense of yeah. what I did. Like, uh, I was a, a chauffeur and had to drive a, a, a drunken uh, guy around uh, the city, and, and, and the reason I finally quit that job was I was driving him down First Avenue in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and uh, he opened the door. We came to, a, we were driving past a, uh, a bar, and, and uh, he wanted me to stop the car uh, so he could go into the bar, and I had orders from his wife not to let him uh, go to a bar, so I, I said, no, we're driving straight ahead. And so then he opened the front door on the and to get out of the car while we were driving 30 miles an hour down the street. I said, whoa, I'm not going to let him do that. And so I had to stop the car and let him get out, and he went into the bar. And so then I had to call his wife and tell her, tell her what happened. And so <laughs> she came out and, and to meet with us, and we got him out of the bar and took him home again. Right. Okay. So, now, so what did I learn? Well, I sort of learned that being a chauffeur for people who are need chauffeurs because they're drunk uh, is not a really good idea. Okay. So I, I resigned my job from being a chauffeur. Okay. So do a lot of different it's things. That, it's not that I hated the job. It's I hated driving people around who... <laughs> almost try to commit suicide in order to get another drink. Yeah. So the notion is to do a lot of different things, some small things, not necessarily change your job all the time, but to try a lot of different things. See if you like it. Yeah. If it's fun, then pursue it. Talk to a lot of people. Ask them about what they do, how they do it, what they like, what they don't like, and try little tests. Try it yourself in order to find out. Right. All right, and then it's do well at what you do and do more of what you enjoy. Okay? Yeah. Sounds straightforward. And I have to say, if you if you read the book, Luck is No Accident, there are a, thousands of stories from all sorts of people in all sorts of different life. And you see exactly that philosophy, that yeah. there is this sense of, I've realized I don't. I thought I wanted to do this. I'm in it, and I'm not enjoying it. But another opportunity comes along, and I test it. I try it. I see if I like a little bit of it. I don't quit my job, but I try it. Find out I do yeah. like it. Find out there's another opportunity there, and pursue that one so that you find your way to your passion as opposed to your passion just appears to you one day. That's right. Okay. All well, right. I want to go- you know, I don't even use the word passion, see? I don't use that word. See, I mean, you keep doing the job as long as you like doing it. And, and uh, so I, I I like this job at Stanford University, uh, so I kept doing it. I still hmm. like it. It's a, okay. So, so it's not... Uh, see, this idea of planning is the, it's the wrong idea. It should be... The idea should be... Uh, uh, try it. Make mistakes. Learn from your mistakes. You won't enjoy making mistakes, but you learn from them. Don't think okay. that you have to do something you love when you first start doing it. Okay. Well, and you won't know if you love it until you start doing it. I often that's say to right. that's right. Yeah. That's I right. Say to young, you have to do it first. Yeah. 
I often say to young people that, you know, don't get settled on choosing the specific career, but do start with an industry you think you're interested in, like hospitality or medical or manufacturing for that matter, because within the industry, you will find so many different opportunities if you like the general industry. And the, the better place to start is there rather than the specific job. No, 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 no. You can't choose an industry. <laughs> That's not the way to start. You have to start with some opportunity to do something. Okay. All right. It's, it's Point taken. It's the action. It's not, it's not choosing an industry in advance. I mean, I didn't choose, let's say, the... Uh, uh, the industry of being a uh, counselor uh, in advance. I, I, I got into it because I had done it and I liked doing it and I got more training in it and I liked the training and, and, and I started doing research in it and I enjoyed doing the research in it and I got picked and I, how, why did I do the research? I was working for, I also spent two years as a uh, first lieutenant in the United States Air Force. Okay. You have done a lot of things, John. You've experimented an awful lot. Oh, I've been experimenting all my life, and I'm still experimenting. Okay. I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do after I hang up talking to you. Okay. But, but you know, I'm enjoying talking to you. And I could probably talk with you all afternoon if you'd let me, but I'm sure you won't let me. <laughs> all right. So let's go back to some of these myths that we were talking about earlier and kind of abandoned. So one okay. of the ones that I like is um, this notion that you go for a job only if you have all of the skills. And you say instead, not that, no, that you should go for a job and then learn the skills. So yeah. how do you know when is you have enough, when you don't have enough? I mean, how, how do you tell whether you should go for it or not? Well, are you enjoying the job you're doing or are you not enjoying it? Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes you have to try it for a while before you even know whether you enjoy it. Okay. But how am I going to convince somebody to give me that opportunity if I don't have very many of the skills? All right, so let me go back. I'm going to come back to some of these notions of the common myths, and I just want to read the list for you so that you get a, a sense of the whole thing. So here's the mis- myths we often believe about planning your career in your life, that you don't let unexpected events interrupt your plans, that you choose a career early goal as soon as possible, that you do all you can to make your dream come true, that you take action only when you're sure of the outcome, that you avoid mistakes, that you wait for lucky breaks, that you go for a job only when you have the skills, you put your career first, you always hold back on your beliefs, and you believe that luck is just an accident. And what John is going to argue, along with several of his colleagues, is that all of those are the opposite. That what you want to do, as you've been hearing John say, is try a lot of things and find what you like. So instead, we want to shift those old myths to some new ones so that we make the most of unplanned events, that we always keep your options open because you have no idea what might come along that would be interesting and try it, test it. Three, that you wake up before your dreams come true so that you're not sticking with something that you don't like as much. That you go ahead and make mistakes, but the secret there is to learn from those mistakes and recognize they're going to happen. That's the learning. And that you take action to create your own luck. And this is the notion that we've been talking about this all along, that you talk to people, you meet people, you ask questions, you explore things, you try something, somebody gives you an opportunity, and you see where that leads you. That's the action that helps you create your own luck. You've just been saying you go for the job and then learn the skills. Now, you know, that means give yourself a break. You're going to have to have a chance to learn. You, There's no way you should take a job where you know 100% of everything on it. You're not going to learn anything that way. That way. So show that willingness to learn. Be a quick study. Um, and the more you test, the more you'll figure out if you like it or you don't like it. The last myth is enjoy yourself. 
the good life is a balanced life. It's not just about career, career, career. So as you've heard John say all along, you want to be sure that you're enjoying what you're doing. I happen to believe personally that when you are enjoying most of what you're doing, that's when you're going to excel at it and you're going to put the time in it to be the best that you can be. Um, the last part is overcome your own self, self-sabotage when you think that you're the one that's holding yourself back. And then finally, you want to remember that indeed, luck is no accident. It's a matter of creating a series of opportunities, looking for being open to the unexpected events, the chance meetings, the chance conversations, and taking advantage of those as they come along. Um, So with me today has been John Crumboltz. John is a professor of education psychology at the Stanford University a well-known academic with a number of awards to his background. And as I've said all along, he is a leader in the theory of career counseling. The book is Luck is No Accident. And again, just to repeat, the general sense here is that luck is a series of unexpected events that you happen to like. In order to have more luck, to create your own luck, you have to be open to experiences, open to conversations, and try things until you figure out what it is that you do really like and then pursue it. So John has um, checked, stepped away from us, but we'd like to thank him for being part of the show today. It's been a pleasure having him as a guest. And I will say join us next week. We're going to talk about how do you ask great questions. I know that's a key part for leading and inspiring and motivating and engaging people. And we're going to talk about what kind of questions and what kind of circumstances for what kind of purpose. Join us then. Thank you for joining us for Out of the Comfort Zone. Tune in again for another edition with Dr. Wanda Wallace next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Reach outside your comfort zone this week.